Welcome to this episode of the UK Sports Chat podcast. I'm Joe Williams and today I am chatting with Rebecca Coles. Rebecca is a former freediver turned yoga coach for sports people uh, and Rebecca has a specific focus on breathing and recovery. Uh, some of you may recognize Rebecca from our yoga classes during the lockdown. Rebecca was our yoga teacher. Hi Rebecca. Hi Joe. how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Are you? Yes, I'm very well, thanks. How's the weather today down in Bristol? It's been lovely, actually. Really, really nice. Um, that lovely autumnal blue skies. Lovely. And where are you, yeah. Joe? Are you? Shropshire, Shrewsbury. Ah, okay, so not that not that far away. No, not that far away. We've um I've only been to Bristol twice. Once to play football and once we came to the harbour to the festival that you have there. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. I'm not from here. You probably tell oh. from my very slight Mancunian accent that um I didn't grow up in Bristol, but I've lived here for about ten years now. So um I'm I'm almost a, <laughs> a local. Yeah. My my accent's more West Country than yours. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we first chatted at the start of lockdown, didn't we? Yes, yeah. And when, um, we had you, you, you came on and hosted the yoga sessions for us each yes. Friday. Yeah, I mean, goodness, it seems like such a long time ago now. But I think, um, you know, at the start of lockdown, there was this um, boom in people wanting to try new things and also finding um, or, or looking out for um, activities that would help ease their sort of stress I guess because it was very uncertain for all of us yes. so yoga ticked both of those boxes and I think we did have quite a few people join us who'd never tried yoga before which is amazing that's my favorite thing is, yeah. um, is, is people being able to try this um, in the comfort of their own home so that they um, they don't feel the kind of nerves and 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 um yeah. self-consciousness that some people do in a class yes yeah definitely and, there, and you're right there was a boom of it wasn't there there was there was joe wicks kind of led it and then um, yeah. the yoga with adrienne was the other one i think the american lady who yes had about 40 million people do her yoga classes on youtube <laughs> yeah I've i've got to confess that that was the first bit of yoga that I ever did was actually following along with yoga with Adrian it, um, this was 10 years ago maybe after I'd had an Achilles reconstruction and, oh yeah uh, yeah and I, I had I followed a 30-day plan I I, I was shocked because prior to that I'd been quite quite fit and I kept myself in good shape I was shocked at just how hard it was and, yeah. and I don't mean I don't mean the stretchy bit I you know I fully expected not to be flexible but even I think it's warrior pose is that the one where you, you know, it's like a groin stretch with your arms out yes but yeah so even that one it, it, to me it didn't look difficult yeah. and yet when you're doing it it is hard work isn't it yeah and and you know that's the I guess sort of the hidden secrets of, of yoga really people have that perception that it's about stretching but actually that is such a small part of of what it can give you and you know when you're static in a in a position like warrior and some of the other standing positions they are amazing for um, building that tolerance to for our leg muscles to um you know lactic 
acid yeah. and you know it's it's almost the longer you hold it the more it becomes an, an anaerobic position actually yeah. so that's why it feels quite hard yeah so so tell us give us an introduction to, to you and and to your background and sport rest yoga and yeah tell us about you yeah right so um my name is Rebecca Coles and I have been teaching yoga for around about eight years now but I am also an environmental scientist I'm really keen on nature and the outdoors and mm. I have run almost all my life so I can I can remember sprinting at junior school and, and doing little competitions there and yeah. as I've got older the distance has got further and further um, so I went sort of from sprinting and, and long jump to sort of middle distance in my 20s and um, yeah. that seems to be getting longer and longer and I, I have my sights on 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 continuing that sort of the distance I guess but yeah. I haven't had the chance to do so recently because I have a little one at home Yes, he, he steals all of my energy. <laughs> and, so I, and I basically jog to and to from steal the limelight as well, doesn't he? Oh, he does. <laughs> yes, yes. We had a little, uh, a little um, streaker, didn't we? <laughs> he, was, he was brilliant. You, that that was like the that that one because you you weren't, you weren't meant to host that one live. Sorry, I'll let you continue in a second. But if anyone who saw this, one of the yoga sessions that Rebecca did on UK Run Chat on the Friday was meant to be pre-recorded, wasn't it? Because you contacted me and said, I can't do this week's because, because I've got my son. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we pre-recorded one, but, but when you've upload to Facebook, they're actually quite slow to upload, aren't they? Yeah. And I know what happened. You were uploading it and, and you, you didn't want to, you didn't want to be late with it. Did you? So I think, I think you just jumped on at 10 o'clock realizing the video hadn't quite updated. And yeah. I was like, oh no, you've got your son and you're going to do this and bless you. You went and did the whole half an hour and he was jumping in and yeah. It was quite funny, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't that, that, that just summed up really lockdown for so many people trying to, um, keep going with work and managing yeah. if you could and managing children and um yeah he was very entertaining <laughs> he was he, yeah he continues to to entertain like that he's he's always dropping in on my uh my zoom sessions yeah. but you know, in a way that's yoga though as well isn't it because the, the practice people think that they need to be flexible that they need to be able to do yoga right before they yep. can do a class and there isn't a right way of doing yoga what it's just sort of really been misunderstood I think by a lot of people in the west and it's just an opportunity to practice dealing with life in a kind of a small setting of your mat in terms of physical mental breathing all of these things and and, and practicing dealing with uncertainty and stress and the unexpected <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah so it was the perfect example of yoga as well so, yeah uh... <laughs> that, that, that did that did strike me about your sessions that you did that you did for us because you if I remember you, you did a breathe easy one you did yoga for healthy backs you did balance you did yoga for runners I my, my as a non-yogi my my um take on yoga is downward facing dog into the is it the cobra type pose and you got the warrior pose and there's like a very standard set of exercises but you just show that that's just not the case 
Yeah, and you know, I when I first trained as a yoga teacher, it was quite a standard um, you know, type of yoga. There's lots of different types of yoga. Mine was quite dynamic, uh, power yoga, as you call it, mm-hmm. um, quite a lot of movement. And that reflected that I was really into sport all of my life. And I wanted something that reflected my energy and my um uh, the speed that I was living my life and that continues and I really enjoy teaching that and practicing that kind of um, energetic flow it's not dissimilar from hot yoga which a lot of um, people have been into and it wasn't until I became an athlete so I know we're going to touch on this um, in a little while but yeah. I was um, I trained as an elite athlete in a, a different sport not running yeah. Um, but it was then that I realized that the fast yoga was not what I needed because I was already going fast in my life, in my training. I was going hard. I was going fast. And what I actually needed was something to slow me down. And yeah. it changed everything about the way that I practiced yoga and now the way that I teach. So everything that I do now is about slow breathing, recovery, and um, you know, helping people get out of the overtraining trap um because th- these are all things that i've experienced and and that's very much my focus now um and and you know it's an example of the breadth of, of practice you can get within you know this thing that we call yoga there's so many different ways that you can apply it but i you know through my own experience i've i've really gone to the the slow end because i think that's what people need especially those of us who are really active yeah, need the, the counterbalance to all of that running, all of the training, all the high intensity. It's finding that time to stop and just breathe. Yeah, that sounds good. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it's all aspects of your life, isn't it? There's you know family, work, etc. It's all it's all hectic, and then you oh, add on yeah. that quite intense exercise to uh, to to combat it. Where is the where is that slowing down? yeah and you know I, I, I you know I work with quite a few athletes and and they they're initially not drawn to the the slowness they don't like the idea of it but actually in a way that's the practice is being able to stop and deal with the you know all the stuff that goes on in your mind slow down the breath and just allow the body to recover because yeah you know, that's where the actual benefit of our training comes through. And we all know this, you know, we all know that you're the, you know, you need to train and you need to rest. But actually, I would challenge um, most people around whether they get enough. Yeah, I think it's only really the elites who have all of that time, they're not necessarily needing to work, they actually have fixed times within their training schedule where they just literally sit and watch Netflix or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we don't give up, you know, as, as most recreational and even the sort of, um, you know, the lower level athletes who, who are um, semi-pros, for example, who still have to work. Yeah. It's really hard. And I, I made this mistake myself. I thought that going to work was enough to recover and... Um, my body told me otherwise. <laughs> so, so, sorry, I interrupted you when you were doing your introduction. You were talking about middle distance running and how you were moving up. Um, go on, do continue. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I, um, I, I, because I 
was so involved in the sport of freediving, which is what I was an athlete in, and it is very much sort of a mental sport of being able to endure discomfort. Yeah. I have a feeling that I've got the mental um, sort of draw towards something longer than a marathon distance. Yeah. Because I like I like kind of the slow steady running outside in beautiful landscape um yes. and and i i think that i yeah i i keep reading a lot of um people's accounts of various ultras and long distance trail running and thinking hmm, i quite fancy that <laughs> so i think that's going to be on my um that's on my radar at the moment yeah, we're blessed in that. I mean, there's so many to choose from as well. Oh, absolutely. The UK is just stunning. It's, there's so many of them. So, have you have you have you done the longer done longer distance licenses yet, or is that something for the? No. The... So the the longest I've done was um, the Great North Run, which yep. um, was amazing for the the um, you know the public and the really you know everybody. Um, shouting you along and ending on the beach and everything it was lovely but I, I don't really like running on the road so um yeah. I would like to probably get back into sort of that distance in out in the sticks on trail and then just build it up from there really yes um, yeah okay and you, and you mentioned your free diving so so you were at, at, you were a competitive free diver and you held records is that right yes so just to clarify, freediving is holding your breath underwater. It's not jumping off cliffs, which is what some people think it is. Okay. <laughs> which is my worst nightmare because I hate heights. They're so. both crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And I, it's a weird story how I got into it as well because I, um, I just like scuba diving on holiday. And I'd, I'd just recently moved to Bristol and I joined a scuba club because I thought, oh, that's a nice way to meet people. Yeah. Um, in a new town and um one day they said oh well, you know we're all going to go and try this new thing that's called free diving I thought oh, all right then I'll come along yeah. and um I, I just and it was interesting and you know I was interested in yoga at the time I think I was um, just thinking about becoming a teacher at that time as well so I was really into the breathing and the relaxation and yeah. um and then it just seemed to sort of grow this um enjoyment of being under the water in this complete silence when you hold your breath yeah um and not having all of the gear that you that you normally have with scuba diving mm -hmm. and so I just sort of carried on recreationally built up a bit of community in Bristol of doing free diving but yeah. it was when I met um a friend up in Manchester who is a coach and he said that he he said that I, I, he could see that I had the discipline to be an athlete. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I couldn't understand it at the time. I was like, what? <laughs> because, you know, I'd always been very sporty, but I'd never yeah. really done any structured training. Um, so were, were, you a, were you a swimmer as well, or was it scuba diving prior well, to that? I'd, I had, I'd competed in swimming at school, um, as well as the, the sprinting, so... Okay. You know, I was one of these sort of classic kids who I was only interested yep. in sport really at school. I wasn't really interested in anything else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and the only connection was that I was um, uh, when I did compete, it was mainly breaststroke swimming, and that was that yeah. ended up being the discipline that I was best at in the pool. 
um, through the free diving as well, just just swimming underwater. Um, okay. With no, with no fins or or anything else. Um, but other than that, there weren't really any indicators that um, that I won that I was would be any special at holding my breath. And I actually got my lung volume checked. Yeah. And my spleen volume because your spleen holds red blood cells and if yeah. you have big big uh, organs in terms of your lungs and spleen they tend to um, suggest that you're likely to be a good diver and and my tests were all normal <laughs> okay and so I you know I, I think I just put it down to uh this I think it was the learning to be comfortable with the discomfort of holding your breath yeah. Um, and it's actually, it's not as bad as people think. And I think most people listening probably at some point in their life have held their breath and swim, tried to swim a length underwater in the pool. Yeah. I think everybody's definitely. tried that. I remember doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's found it difficult, difficult. And the reason is because most people are quite buoyant. Um, yeah. And so what we would do is we would um, make, we'd make our own neck weights out of lead shot. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, these days, you can buy them ready-made but you know this is sort of five six years ago it was still yeah. a sport that was you know quite grassroots and so we made our own weights so that you would get your, your buoyancy perfect so that you would just glide through the water mm-hmm. and once you did that it felt lovely really yeah. really lovely um so yeah I set five records in the UK doing this wow. in the pool I'm, and um yeah it kind of surprised me as well <laughs> so did you so with the free diet sorry let me ask you a question about those tests how do they test your spleen and and so they do by ultrasound oh, okay um so just like um when you have a, a scan for if you're pregnant yeah. but they do it on your through your back um okay. and basically when you hold your breath um yep. whether it's on land or in water Mm-hmm. Um, your body responds with this oxygen conserving uh, mechanism. It's called the dive reflex, and a lot of mammals have them, especially the diving, the mammals in the sea. And one of these effects is that your spleen will release a whole load of red blood cells yep. so that you've got a better carrying capacity for the oxygen that is in that breath that you are holding. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I'll touch on this later on, but the, this dive reflex is also something that we can apply um, in any sport, essentially, okay. because um, it's, you know, you can almost use it as a, a, as a, a boost of your blood oxygen carrying capacity before you go off and do a race, for example, Okay. Um, by cool. holding your breath beforehand. But um, in this case, obviously, it was it was for in the pool. And so you can tell the difference between a, a spleen before a breath hold and a spleen after because yeah. the spleen is smaller. And so they can they can use that to sort of calculate how much of these red blood cells have been released. Okay. Wow. So and how do you go then from starting to dive? And was this all in a pool or did you do it in the sea as well? Or I did it in the sea for... Uh, for recreational reasons but in the uh, actually mainly in lakes in the UK but we don't have great sort of depth facilities in the UK yeah um most of the the British divers who are good at depth tend to spend a lot of the year away in places like the Red Sea and and further afield so most of my training was in the pool just because that was what I had easy access to yes okay so how do you go from 
enjoying your scuba diving, meeting your new friends, <laughs> to having five, was it was it national records or what, yeah. what records? Yeah. yeah, so UK records, um, all five of them were in the pool. Um, yeah. I think three were swimming, just breaststroke underwater, and two were with a big fin, like a mermaid. So you would okay. swim like an undulating mermaid. Okay, and, and how far and how long were you underwater for, for these records? Okay, so for swimming no fins, I think the the record was 150 meters. So what's that? Six lengths of a 25 meter pool, and you would do it in a 25 wow. meter pool because you'd you'd kick, you'd use the wall to push off, yeah, and glide, which saves a lot of um, energy and effort. Because you can imagine on one breath, you mm-hmm. want to be as efficient and as streamlined as possible. So. Yes. You kind of have to work on your technique to the point where, you know, everything is as good as you can get it. Yeah. Um, and f- with the monofin, you can go a bit further. So I did 189 metres in an Olympic-sized pool. So that's just short of four lengths. And wow. I think uh, they, they, but both of those were probably around just under three minutes. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. A monofin, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, a huge, well, like a big, flipper what's a monofin so it is like one big flipper that you put both your feet in so if yeah. you can imagine um like a dolphin tail it's not you're like a mermaid you're a mermaid yes yeah absolutely just just like a mermaid and i you know i think um that's it's part of the appeal is to be able to uh, <laughs> to kind of i guess connect with that in a in a desire to just move freely you know without all of the the stuff that we carry i think there's a real metaphor in that as well yeah i'm just trying to imagine what what that looks like then under the water because i one of the reasons why i've i've never really had a good go at a triathlon is my swimming i'm i'm terrible and my my um, fiance is an ex lifeguard, so whenever we go, she tells me just breathe, and <laughs> and I'm like, it's not that simple. And I'm thrashing my arms and going as fast as I can. You, you must, you, you must almost glide then under the water when you're doing when you're doing that kind of. Yeah, uh, we do yeah. try. So we wear um, suits that are very like very thin triathlon suits that are really yeah. hydrodynamic and yeah. obviously you wear the weight to make sure that your buoyancy is optimal yeah. and then um there's just a lot of repetitive training to make sure that the strokes are as efficient as they can be and working with the body to make it as streamlined as possible so in particular really doing a lot of work on the shoulders to um, to be able to get your arms overhead in a triangle shape so that you could be, you know, as streamlined as possible. Yeah. Um, so so what, what what does the rest of the training look like for that then? So were you, were you already doing your yoga and, and, and anaerobically, you must be very fit. So what, you know, were you, were you running or cycling? What, what, other, what other stuff goes into training for something like that? Yeah, so I, um, I used running in two ways, actually. Um, firstly... Uh, just to keep me sane because a lot of the breath hold training is quite repetitive and uncomfortable and so when I was able to when my coach said yes yes you can go and do some cardio (laughs) I would just go off onto the trail and really enjoyed it so you do need this sort of base fitness and that's that's how I got my base fitness but 
I used hill sprinting as my um, high intensity training um, yeah. for most of the time that I was training. I, I did dabble a little bit with um, sort of high intensity boxing, sort of the Tabata yeah. type thing, but um, the hill sprints were um, painful, but they seemed to do the job. Really brutal. And I found this amazing hill in a park in Bristol, which, um, yeah, you know, getting ready for a session like that, you did sort of want to cry in advance, but, um, they were great. <laughs> um, and then the rest of the time is, um, you do quite a lot of breath holding dry. So you would just sit in a chair and hold yeah. your breath, which is where it gets really dull. Um, and then um, quite a lot of technical training in the pool to get the the movements as efficient as possible. Yeah. So I I was um it, what what reminded me that you and I needed to talk on here was uh, have you heard of the Joe Rogan podcast? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had David Blaine on last oh, month. Of course. Yes. Did, did you see his? crazy latest stunt where he floated off into the air i haven't actually seen i know that he has he done it now because i know that he was planning it with his balloons yeah 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 yeah, off he went up into the air but when when he was listening to it well sorry when i was listening to it he was talking about his breath training because he's done other he's done other stunts in ice and things like that where he's and underwater where he's had to hold his breath but he was talking about um how he was having to, well, he was, he was on an oxygen, he had an oxygen device on him as he went up, but he was talking about how he was training his breath. And that was actually what reminded me that you and I still needed to talk on here. But he, he was saying that there's, there's techniques and, and, and he could, he could, he quite quickly got up to, um, when he started practicing these things, he quite quickly got up to, to between three and four minutes of holding his breath. Mm-hmm. Did, would, did you do it longer when you were sat there dry train because you were dry sat and just concentrating on holding your breath or would you go further underwater well what was it what was the difference yeah so um dry I held my breath I think the, the furthest I got was about six and a half minutes actually um but under the water um, there is one of the disciplines that you can do in free diving is where you literally just lie face down in the water. Yeah. Um, and the most I managed was five and a half minutes, which I'm really, really proud of because it is so difficult. The yeah, mental, sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, the mental challenge that you mm. have to go through um, to just lie there with very little distraction is, um, yeah, it's something else. Yeah. Um, and I know David Blaine's done quite a lot of breath holding where he has used oxygen, which does yeah. does change matters um, mm. considerably. And there are, you know, if, if people are, are wanting to play around with sort of breath holding, you can, um, if you breathe quite heavily beforehand, what we call hyperventilation, then actually yeah. it can help you hold your breath for a little bit longer. Um but th- that wouldn't be something we would do in water because that method sort of risks yeah. um, a blackout. But um, if you're just sort of sitting dry in a chair, you could do that. And, um, you know, I'm sure some of the listeners might have heard of a technique um, called the Wim Hof breathing method, which is, is, is probably one of the most well-known breathing methods. That's what he does. He, he takes you through this process of breathing quite heavily and then you hold your breath and 
you can hold your breath for a couple of minutes, even if you've never really done it before. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's an, it's an interesting experience, but it's always worth doing it with an instructor because your breath is quite a powerful tool and it's not something to be messed around with. Yes. So did, did you have a blackout? I, so, yes, I had a couple of blackouts near um, the end of my um, sort of, I'm not going to say career, because I'm not 100% sure whether it's over yet, but I, I, I sort of semi-retired. Um, yeah. And I had a couple of blackouts close to the end of that, which indicated that there was something not right. And I okay. um, I was diagnosed with a thyroid problem. Um, and I think that was sort of part and parcel of um, kind of a wider issue where I just gone really hard and fast at the training and had yeah. got into this um um I guess what we call overtraining syndrome and yeah. um was just so fatigued always catching every bug that was going and then I had this underlying an, um anemia and a thyroid issue and yeah. it was then that I started blacking out and it nobody we couldn't work out what was going on because it was at distances I'd done before and so we knew yeah. something was up um but prior to that, I'd always had a an attitude of um, just increasing a little bit at time because I wanted to keep it positive. I didn't yeah. want to be in a situation where um, uh, I was regularly blacking out and pushing my body um, beyond its limit because I don't think that's good for us. No. It's not good for you mentally or physically. Um, so yeah. it was only really when when things started to sort of go wrong that I that, that I had a few blackouts and rather than keep pushing, I just decided to to take a bit of a break and do something different. And then uh, the little one came along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so is that is that when sport rest yoga began? Then is it or with that already started by then? It had already started. Um, yeah. So I'd started in 2012 I think it was um, yeah and I you know just uh, mainly teaching colleagues at work and um, in local studios in Bristol um, not really having a particular focus or a theme um, yeah. but a few years after that I trained with um, a group of people who were really keen on working specifically with athletes and okay. so I did sort of a next level of, of qualification where we basically spent a lot of time focusing on how you could slot yoga into an existing training program when you're working okay. with um, athletes. And I use athletes to encompass everybody who is um, into sports and training for something, doesn't necessarily need to be anything um uh you know professional but if somebody's yep. got a, a a training plan in mind then um yeah. you know it's it's being able to find a way to slot it into their program to deliver um what can be for some people huge gains but as you go higher up the ladder you know yeah. it's potentially you're talking about marginal gains of um you know a few percent here or there but that's what can really make the difference to to these elite athletes yes but so if you, you're thinking about so, so on our channels for example there's there's people who've just started out running and people who are you know serious ultra runners so what what kind of what, what kind of benefits would they get out of doing these things and what kind of things should they be doing first of all really what, yeah what, what are your tips and tricks for so, everyone 
yeah so my three top tips I would say is the first one is breathing so um we don't talk about breathing enough in in any sport but particularly in running and there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding about how is best to run um sorry how is best to breathe when you're running and um I know that this is it's quite a controversial subject as well but my Mm -hmm. advice is for anyone who is doing long slow runs which is normally about 80 percent of of anybody's training really most of what we do is that aerobic base of running that you can do that running with your mouth closed and just breathe through your nose okay and there'll be a whole load of people go shock horror (laughs) it is doable (laughs) why is that It just feels uncomfortable to begin with because most people have quite a sensitivity uh, to the rise of carbon dioxide that that happens when you do that. So when you're breathing in and out through the mouth, you get rid of quite a lot of carbon dioxide and, um, you know, it it feels easier because it's a big hole. But actually for a lot of people that can um, trigger tightness and irritation in the lungs and that's where you get conditions like exercise induced asthma um which isn't really um you know it's not a disease or a disorder it's actually just the lungs going hey you know you're inhaling loads of cold dry air could you stop please um (laughs) so you know my first suggestion would be to um, close your mouth breathe through the nose and pace yourself based on what you can do and for some people that would mean slowing down to begin with but trust me I've done it you will build that speed back up as the body adapts okay um so that's my first tip um it's actually it's also you you use less effort breathing through the nose and what they've found is um where people are breathing more through the mouth that extra effort that it takes to breathe is actually stealing oxygen away from the legs so there is okay. this, you know, the scientists have shown that there's this link between how you breathe and how easily your legs fatigue. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's a really interesting mm. one. Um, so nose breathing, nose breathing, nose breathing is my first Slow, slow down a bit and yeah. nose breathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it keeps your heart rate low as well, so it means for relaxed running. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for the extra 10 20% where you are going harder, then, of course, the breathing needs to to um you know to get bigger and if the mouth needs to open to deal with that then fine but you know if we can really tackle that you know the the vast proportion of 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 people's training program um you know the the recovery is easier when you've nosed breathe through running as well because your heart rate's been lower and you felt more relaxed and so it's a bit easier to recover from um, and I guess that's kind of then my second point is don't forget the rest. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think there is this there's this sort of misunderstanding that, um, you know, you should stretch after running and that is recovery. Um, and it's not until people understand more about um, what's required in recovery that maybe they, you know, they start thinking about nutrition and massage yeah. and, um, you know, various other techniques. But actually um yeah. stretching is i think most people have shown it's not actually particularly it's controversial useful. this one <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's certainly mm-hmm. not not recommended before um mm. i'll talk about what i would recommend before but it's not sort of long held stretching um, okay. but even long held stretching after running 
um, it makes you feel nice. So I wouldn't say don't do it, but there hasn't there isn't a lot of evidence to show that actually it's giving you the benefit that you think you might. I think the benefit is in resting. And by stretching the muscles, you are helping to yourself to relax. Um, yeah. But the benefit is in in resting and letting go of worries and, and really letting yourself have that downtime. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong because they, they do what I did, which was, okay, my rest, I can do my rest at work because I'm sitting down. But actually it wasn't, yeah. you know, everybody knows, you know, most people's jobs are quite stressful, even if they're sat down all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that I wasn't, I wasn't allowing myself to rest enough. Yeah. So it's... And, and even with, um, I mean, people's downtime now, they've usually got an iPad or a phone or they're on social media and it's, um, and so, so even that kind of ties into the same example you're yeah. giving there about work. You're not completely switching off. Mm. Um, the brain is still going and, you know, a lot of, you know, even watching programs can trigger so much emotional and physiological response that your body's not really getting that chance to completely relax. So, um, you know, finding what works for you. So for some people that is yoga and sort of guided relaxations and meditations, but it might be a really slow walk or a swim or, you know, something that just allows you to switch off and um and and just really slow down um (laughs) and then and then the third so the third tip would be um mobility so i'm really really hot on mobility which is the ability of each of your major joints in the body to move in a uh, a sort of effective range of movement it's not necessarily flexibility in the sense of um oh, you can, do your, you can do the split, so you must be really flexible. Well, actually, as runners, we don't need that flexibility. Um, what we need is to be able to move our bodies in the most optimal way. So exactly what I was doing with the free diving was to try and move as efficiently as possible so you're not wasting energy yeah. on movements that you don't need to do and to work with the brain because a lot of mobility actually the source of our flexibility and our mobility is actually in the brain because most of us have got a situation where perhaps we haven't used a joint through its full range of motion or we've had an injury and it's caused us to be fearful of moving it in its full range of motion and through that lack of use the the you know that whole adage of you know if you don't use it you lose it kicks in and so it's the sort of mobility work that I do with clients is to help retrain the body that it's safe to use those joints in their full range of motion yes and I think for runners the the big one is the hips I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot of hip um, mobility that we've we've lost because of the amount of time that we spend sitting yes Um, yeah and then you know we we expect our bodies to just react how we want them to when we get up from sitting after five six hours and go out for a run and you know bless our bodies they do their best (laughs) but 
you need to give them a helping hand and that's why um I do a lot of hip mobility work and you know one of my top tips which is you don't need anybody to teach you this but it's just to spend more time on the floor to actually work on the floor if you can watch tv sitting on the floor and keep adjusting your position because every time you need to shuffle around and you know it'll be uncomfortable to begin with but every time you move you're bringing your hip joint into a different position and when the body feels safe it will allow you to do that more and more and eventually you'll regain a lot of that range of motion that you need for your running and for other practices so um so yeah start watching tv sitting on the floor yeah (laughs) i do that quite a lot (laughs) and and my daughter's ours i do and my daughter's ours and and people comment that why you sat on the floor so I'm pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, there's a lot about modern life that actually is not serving us as as um, as sports people. Um, you know, sitting chairs, um, uh, and don't get me started on shoes because <laughs> these big puffed up um, spongy shoe things that we call trainers aren't great either for our bodies. Um, sort of cutting us off from the needing to sense the ground that we're actually running on yeah um, so yeah i kind of another podcast that one yeah exactly <laughs> another controversial one okay. um so, okay so b- b- before we wrap it up then what what um give us two give us two tips with regards to how, how often should should somebody who hasn't been doing yoga before then perhaps who runs or or um cycles how much should they potentially introduce and how often? Um, and have you got, I remember you doing a lovely breathing technique at the one at the end of the yoga sessions. Is there something that you could help our listeners with regards to that relaxation bit that is, a, you know, yeah, away from absolutely. sport? Is there any kind of breathing techniques or anything you could recommend just, just for helping to switch off? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I would say in terms of introducing some kind of relaxation practice, um, Mm -hmm. try a couple of times a week to begin with. Um, But ideally, it depends at what point in the day you need it. But for a lot of people, it's just before they go to sleep to help them sleep well, because obviously that is a huge part of recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. So doing some kind of movement practice that involves slow breathing makes you feel lovely and relaxed before you go to bed ticks a lot of boxes and I think is um, is doable for a lot of people maybe you just need to swap out half an hour of what you know the time that you would spend watching tv or something but otherwise um, you know it's a time of the day that I think a lot of people can slot it in the other time is first thing in the morning so you know if you've got a family while everybody's still in bed you could get up and do some mobility work so um you know there are you know essentially if you can just move uh, in a circular motion all of your joints that is a really great way to start the day and I'm sure somewhere in in the the sessions that we did and I've got some on my YouTube site as well there are examples of what you might do if anybody needs to see that yeah great okay is there a breathing technique you can recommend? Yeah. So in terms of, I mean, you know, a lot of people I think know that if you exhale for longer than you inhale, that it helps you to relax. And 
it actually triggers the the rest and digest function part of our, our nervous system known as the parasympathetic nervous system and um so if you were to breathe in for a count of three for example and breathe out for a count of six that would if you just continue to do that that would generally help your heart rate to slow down and help you feel more relaxed um that's you know a very sort of basic breathing technique that most people would um be shown in a yoga class for example But what's really interesting is if you if you do a ratio that is something like four in six out, which would mean that you would be breathing six breaths per minute, that's actually mm-hmm. been shown to trigger a physiological change in the body um, that basically synchronizes your heart rate, your breathing rate, and your blood pressure, and it's known as heart coherence. Um, and it's basically our optimal state of well-being. It is the the state the body wants to be in because it means it can use energy for other processes, um, and the you know the breathing or the heart rate and blood pressure isn't sort of taking up any of that energy. So it's a a state that we really want to get into as much as possible when we're at rest. So we could do that together now if you want to. You can just do a few rounds of four in, six out. Um, so I'll, I'll count through if those of you who are listening, if you're just do it. sitting upright with a bit of support for your back, so whether it's a chair or just back against the wall. Okay, and, I'm doing this. Yeah, and close your mouth. So we're breathing in and out through the nose. Okay. And then when you're ready, just breathe out, breathe out through the nose and then we're going to breathe in two three four and then breathe out two three four five six breathe in two three four and breathe out two three four five six breathe in two three four and breathe out two three four five six breathe in two three four and breathe out two three One more, breathe in, two, three, four, and breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. And then just allow your breathing to come back to its normal rhythm. And notice how that feels, because for some people that's really slow. And for yeah. other people, it's perfectly doable. <laughs> I was very relaxed there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I've been told um, that my um, my voice sends people to sleep. <laughs> you're quite hypnotic when you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've, I actually, as I was breathing out then, I, 
So six seconds, I find that a long time to breathe out, and I'm literally, I can, every bit of air is out of me. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of yeah. people, um, we, we don't often use the full capacity of our lungs, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of the focus when we do, so for example, with running, um, you're mainly focused on the in-breath, and, um, but you need to exhale fully to be able to breathe in fully, and that's why people with asthma and things like exercise-induced asthma have so much problem because they struggle to exhale. Yeah. So if you can't get the breath out, then you can't get very much breath in, and so they very quickly become breathless. Wow, that's uh, well, thank you very much. This is this. Uh, I've I've got heart coherence written down here that I'm going to go have and read about. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> some, some fantastic tips throughout throughout the um, throughout our chat for everybody really to uh, apply to their. Um, running both during well before during and after so thank you if anyone wants to um have a look at uh, your content or get in touch with you just give us a uh, just give us um your your social and your website and all that kind of stuff yeah so um my website is um it's sport restore yoga so it's www.sportrestoreyoga.co.uk and via there, I've got some more um, tips on like a little, you can sign up for a, a little mini course. It's primarily yeah. designed for runners, um, but mm-hmm. for sort of any sports really. And then on social media, all of my handles are sport rest yoga. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'm a real breath nerd, as I'm sure you've, um, you've realized. <laughs> I love talking about breath, but I'm also really passionate about the mobility, about the recovery. And the one thing I probably haven't mentioned is actually balancing, which, again, I think is a a lost art, a lost skill that many of us don't have um, that, you know, can be really fundamental to our ability to run well. Um, So, yeah, so those are kind of my passions that I talk about a lot on social media. Yeah, and you and you you mentioned that in the first video, in the first lesson that you did with us, um, the session. Sorry, and and they're all still on our Facebook and yes. and like you said, all on your YouTube as well. I'm sure you've got lots. Yeah, lots there should be plenty of options to get started with if if anyone is is starting yoga. Yeah, w- w- will you do another session for us? I can do. Yes, yeah, um, I'm still at home. Well, <laughs> we should we should probably not wait for the next lockdown and actually come back and do another session. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, th- thank you for coming on, Rebecca. It's been really lovely chatting. No, thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks, Joe. <laughs>